Welcome to the acoustic session. <laughs> All right, here we go. JB squared. Oh, we're in. Oh, we already started. Now, ready, set, go. Episode five. Sorry what? if I sound a little scratchy. I have a little cold. A little bit of a cold. This been like a uh, little bit of a lingering cold too. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't help in this dry, dry weather out west. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost what happens. It feels like is like your body overreacts. Like it's just there's no other time in like history where you're going to be able to go through this many different uh, climates in such a short period of time. So. Yeah, and I tell you what, again, I wouldn't survive. Because <laughs> why am I the one sick? No one else is sick. That's well, Brody's true. a little sick, so. Yeah, but you're, you're able to work out and, and yeah. everything, so you're performing well. It's not a big deal. So where have we been? Goodness, okay, last time we left off, we were in Mississippi, right? That's right. Did we talk about hot springs? Did we, we did. talk about mosquitoes? We talked about mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about hot springs, super cool spot. Oh, and yeah, then, super uh, cool. We pressed on from there. Yeah, we pressed on. We um, went to Midland, Texas. That's right. But Has anybody Midland, heard of that? Where did we go? We went to Dallas, baby. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, down in Arlington. We went to Dallas. Dallas is awesome. I grew up going to Dallas every year to visit family, so it was really cool to take the kids. And have you had you been before? Uh, to Dallas? Yeah. I went with you to Dallas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, sometimes it's hard for me to remember, like, history. I don't know what my deal is. Yeah, 15 years. <laughs> so we went to Dallas. We visited the JFK Memorial. That was really cool. Man, you know what's so crazy about that, too, is, like, all the people that are, like... Okay, so when you go to the JFK Memorial, if you guys haven't been, there's, like, the formal thing. Of course, you can go to the museum there. We did that. We checked that out. But there's, like, all kinds of people selling, like, um, books on the different theories and conspiracies. But then there's, like, out on the street are, like, people just selling water and, like, Powerade and stuff. Brought to you by Powerade. <laughs> it's like Powerade. Gatorade. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was a Powerade. I don't think it was Powerade. They're out, they're out on the street selling this water, like, as you're waiting to go in the museum because you have, like, a certain slot time or whatever. And they are so well-read. Yeah, it was, in, it was incredible. Dude, like, what all was that guy saying? I mean, he had me thinking, that's for sure. He First off, he comes up this flight, like, small flight of stairs, right? So he, like, comes up, and he's kind of like dragging along he's got this big like igloo cooler that is like a pulling suitcase yeah. style and so he kind of just like dunk, 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 brings it up the stairs and he's like i got a water for a dollar gatorade dollar fifty something like that like who's got 50 cents and uh so he sits down and we're like yeah cool man we'll grab a water thank you and so we buy a water from him and he just opens up and starts talking about yeah it was incredible the kids and i were over there listening to him and uh they have you thinking you know i mean it doesn't make sense where there was just one shooter it really doesn't even in the museum they they're skeptical about it but yeah, the whole thing is just neat. it's crazy just go straight to nine yeah it's crazy when you look at something like on that level that can just be kind of the information be dispersed that way it's crazy yeah. it seems less capable to do something like that in the modern day due to all right. the social media and everything but it is pretty crazy man yeah. it wasn't that long if you're ago. ever in dallas definitely check it out you can walk around you can go to the museum or you can just walk around and 
go on the grassy knoll, you know, kind of legit see for a dollar fifty, you can get more information. Yeah, you can say <laughs> you would believe. You know, I think they're homeless, or I mean, they're not homeless. There was some homeless people out there that were yeah. that were talking about it, but yeah, he was like a street guy for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Like he might have been homeless, might not. Either way. He was so well read. It was it was definitely an experience. Yeah, so we checked that out. Oh, we went to the original Metroflex gym. That was awesome. That was wild. So if you guys don't know, Metroflex is the gym that Ronnie Coleman uh, trained at his entire time. That's right. It's so crazy because I don't know how many videos, like as a young, inspiring, you know, weightlifter, bodybuilder, whatever. You know, not that I'm a bodybuilder, but bodybuilding building muscle period right uh-huh. in that young like early you're just looking for like who are the apex predators in this space yeah. and, like ronnie coleman was it's so crazy to see like all the videos i've seen of, you know lightweight baby he's got that 2700 pound leg <laughs> press nobody here could do this you yeah know? it's like such a, a iconic moment and then we're like we pull up to that gym you know, we're looking for Metroflex, and in my mind, for some reason, I think it's going to be, like, a little bit more modern, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like... But, like, where's the gym at? We're, yeah. Oh, we're in, like, a, Bro, we a warehouse down, area. We pulled down an alley that we can barely park the dually in, right? Like, yeah, it was When we crazy. got out, I had to do, like, an 18-point turn to not hit a car to get out of this The thing. sign was so small. It just said Metroflex gym, hard, like, what did it say? It wasn't even a sign, really. No, it, it was just like, like a dude flexing, and a tiny little wording on it said Metroflex above the and head. And then it said something else. It said, like, uh, hardcore, hardcore gym. Hardcore gym, something yeah. like that. And then, so we were like, Jordan, you were like, <laughs> I've never been nervous to walk in a gym, and I'm a little bit nervous. I was like, I'm just not even certain what this is going to be like. This is going to be sweet, man. I'm, I'm excited. Like, you know, what if... Uh, and I, the owner of the gym is the same guy that you would see, like, in all of Ronnie Coleman's videos back in the day. The same guy, like, helping him move stuff. And so I'm like, hey, man, I'm excited to, to, to meet this dude. Um, so we, like, go cruising up in there. You know, I'm just curious what information we can glean just from being in this place. Right. And, like, we walk in the door, and it is exactly like every video I've ever seen. It is absolutely filthy yeah it's yeah. it almost seems like a time capsule like it is. they didn't change anything they didn't it's like if a bunch of dudes only ran a gym now that being said let me go ahead and like give this this uh prereq here or whatever ultra nice everybody was like like if you were a female you were brand new to working out or whatever and you went to this place they t- still totally welcome you so like when i say a bunch of bros running this gym I don't mean that derogatively. I mean it just like they're not going to try to clean up the same yeah. stuff. They're like, it, everything was utility. It was awesome. It was, it was such cool. a cool vibe. And it was so cool to see. Like, we walked in and the owner were like, hey, you know, we were just wondering if we could drop in. And we have our kids, and, you know, most gyms don't allow kids. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Like, he here's just the, was like, here's the kicker, go for right? it. Yeah. yeah. Here's the kicker. So, Jess and I obviously, you know, we're partnered and, and own some gyms as, uh, as well. If you come into one of our gyms, the first thing that's going to happen, because we live in America, is you're going to fill out a liability waiver. Yeah, like, I mean, everybody accept, knows that. Accepting risk. Yeah. You have to understand. Bro, we walk in. We don't get charged. No. We don't fill out a waiver. No waiver. We don't get, we're like, hey, man, so we're here to uh, work out, and it's the owner, and he's super cool. And he's like, yep, sounds good. Yeah, that's all he said. It kind of was like. We were like standing. So do we walk in? Sure enough, we just I started walking in, and he's just like, yeah, go ahead. 
So walked in, it was started, amazing. Started slanging weights. It was so cool. What was really cool too is like, like Jordan said, everybody was so welcoming. And then actually this guy came up and was like, Hey, it's so cool. Your kids are working out with you. My kids were running around here too, back in the day. And it was Ronnie Coleman's training partner from the day. Yeah, like, that's it. A guy named Big J. Big J. Check him out on IG. Do you remember what that IG was exactly? I can tag it on my stories. Right. Man, I think it's Big J Extreme Fitness or something like that. Yeah, but this guy was super cool, and it was really neat to get the insight of Ronnie Coleman. I don't know if you guys have seen that Netflix documentary. Is it Netflix? I think I don't know that there is that recent one on Ronnie Coleman where it goes, and it's kind of like it's kind of sad when you watch the documentary because the way that they kind of portray the documentary is like. Ronnie Coleman went and over pushed his body yeah. and now he's handicapped and the reality was yeah here it is Big J under what do you call underscore. it underscore extreme fitness was his training partner I asked him I went hey why do you think you and Ronnie lifted the same style and you're currently able to work out and right because this guy's 58 by the way that's right massive dude right looks great so why are, were you able to to handle the volume and everything and yeah. Ronnie wasn't and he goes nah man they did him a disservice in that documentary and they didn't clearly paint what the realities were and he said the realities were Ronnie and his dad and his brother were all born with a bone deficiency right Right. and he said that he was predestined from the time he was born to be handicapped probably in his early 40s at least and they said that by lifting weights by challenging his all of his osteocytes and, and putting pressure on his bones that it actually gave him 10 more years of mobility. Isn't that crazy? It's like, why didn't they show that? Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it, and it almost think, makes you think, did he push like that because he knew eventually his Absolutely. body was going to was gonna let go? It's incredible. Absolutely. What I really love, too, so he said his two kids would run around the gym when they would be training. And now, incredible enough, his daughter is 30. Mm -hmm. She's a pro soccer player. She can deadlift 500 pounds and doesn't train consistently in powerlifting anymore. And it was just really cool because he gave us even more, you know, uh, positivity in our kids lifting weights. And we could see how his kids just running around the gym lifting weights at a young age. Look at them now. Pretty yeah, insane. It's pretty wild. I mean, there is no substitute. I, I love that saying in strength training that that stolta right strength takes a lifetime to acquire and so the reality is no matter what it's like as you live through time you're going to increase the total amount of intensity aka the actual weight that you're able to lift and the volume and that progressive overload through time is what's going to make a difference yeah super cool yeah and uh the, his daughter pro soccer player walked on as a pro soccer player yeah well, a scout was, just saw her yeah, yeah playing he said on the she field. was just playing some co-ed like out in the uh in the city there and there happened to be a scout was like maybe you should come try out <laughs> uh so she showed up not really knowing so much about like what she was what team it was for after she does the tryouts she gets picked up and now she gets to travel kind of around the world playing so soccer. crazy yeah, it's such wild. a cool spot Yep, so we left there, and then we traveled to Midland, Texas. Midland. Not sure if you guys have heard of that. We only know of Midland because our best friends live there. Midland's nickname is Dusty Money. Ooh, I felt like I was on the moon. It was. It's a lot like Iraq. <laughs> we <laughs> not, had an, a great time. Not the war time. part, but uh, you know, like when, when you walk outside in Iraq, there's like moon dust everywhere. Yeah. Midland is very much like that. Yeah. Yeah, Dusty Money. So there's like, 
I guess that happens to be the like biggest oil basin in the U.S. If not, uh, they said like it's it challenges the size of the wor- different worlds. Yeah, it was basins, crazy but. to see Kobe. Am I saying this right? Pump jacks. Pump jacks. <laughs> the big, you know, like the oil, the pumps, oil pumps yeah. that just pump oil out of the ground. That was they were everywhere. It was incredible. But uh, we had such a good time visiting with friends, training jujitsu. We had a workout at a, at their garage gym. It was awesome. Yeah. So next we're uh, New Mexico. We'll fill you guys in on some more details on that. One of the things kind of we wanted to talk about in this one is like, you know, obviously there's some, some recent tragedies in the world and there's there's even outside of that, you constantly kind of see so many people that are, are challenging, trying to figure out like how to find some peace and contentment in life. And, and we didn't start this to uh, proselytize, but regardless for us without jesus there is no peace so yeah you know if you're looking to increase your peace in life we definitely would say we had less we found jesus we had peace and then after that there's a lot of different ways to approach life you yeah know yeah. I mean? yeah so today we want to talk about how to live your most fulfilled life like what steps can you take to live that most fulfillment that you can get out of life yeah for sure and you know what? One of my favorite things as a kid was like the Choose Your Destiny books. Do you remember those? No. Oh, those are... A book? Yeah. For my personality as a kid, I never those were that. off the chain. Oh, man, they're the best. So, like, you would open up to page one, and it would say... It was like an adventure book, and it would say, like, you're walking through the jungle. They're to Turn to page 48 to go path that goes down towards the dark river turn to page you know 102 to go towards the path that goes towards the ruins you see right and so you would decide right there you would go well which way do i want to go and you would turn to 48 you know or 52 whatever i said i don't remember now and you would read and then again you would have a choice to make back and forth yeah and for me, I've always honestly viewed life like that. I viewed it, and now sometimes you get to the end, like let's say you turn to page, you know, 101, and it says you have chosen poorly, and it's like you're at the end of the path and you died okay. in this book. And, and that seems kind of dire. But for me, I've always understood that there is but one life that we live. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, guaranteed, at the end of this Choose Your Destiny book, everybody dies. Right. Why do you think you've always thought that? Because I don't think that I've always thought that. You know, I think it comes down to like when I was a child, I had a lot of talent, but I didn't channel any of that talent early. So I just kind of would class clown it. I would just kind of mess around. And for me, I think my mom didn't know what to do with me. Right. So she was like, you know. This kid's got all this this energy, this charisma. I can't get him to do what he's supposed to do. I know he's intelligent, but, you know, dude's coming home with D's and yeah. C's and F's. And she gave me this book to read whenever I was about maybe 11 or 12 years old, a little bit younger than yeah. Slade. And it was called The Pursuit of Excellence. Uh, my partners who are hearing this and other men in my life who uh, I've had the opportunity to be a part of and they be a part of my life. I, I like find this book. It's hard to find. Um, there's a couple of them named this, but I, I read this book as a kid and the summation of the book was time is passing by every minute of every day, no matter what. And ultimately it is leading to your death. And that's not a scary thing. 
it's a realization of how do you actualize your best life and it says that if you're gonna let's say you're gonna go play ping pong for five minutes if you go play ping pong and you don't pursue excellence you don't go to be your best you then that block of five minutes you just wasted regardless right right and you could say well why did you waste it because you if you're approaching everything you do in your life at your most excellence then you're getting the most out of your time regardless and if you're not well that's okay you're just squandering your time though right i feel like it's easy to live little sections of life like that how do you live every day like that? Man, that's that's because <laughs> that's, that's kind of what happens to me sometimes. Is right. I'll be real good for a while, or be real good in certain areas, and then I'll just kind of let it slack, let it slack a little bit. For sure, identity is so powerful. So for me, like in this different pursuit of excellence, if you're not careful, what happens is you find a singular thing that you identify you as, and then you only pursue excellence in that area. And mm. the problem with that is this is how you're going to not have a fulfilled life is because you're going to identify all successes and failures in that one space as who you you are right Mm -hmm. so like if i say um okay i jordan bowen am a jiu-jitsu athlete right Right. like that's that's all that i am will me as a father me as your husband me as um a business owner, me as a friend, all those things come second to that first identity. Right. That makes sense. Right. And okay. so if I'm only pursuing that identity, then that means when I win a match, I'm a great man. And when I lose a match, yeah. I'm nothing. Right. Okay. Now that makes sense because that's, I see that with the kids, how we don't identify them Bingo. as being, you know, like this is their sport or this is this. And I also hear you when they say things, you say, stop that. You don't want to identify as that. Yeah, that is very important. I can't think of like an example. I definitely can. I definitely can, right? Um, I saw this a lot in the military, and so like I'll tie two points together. If we keep in mind that our identity should be not black and white, but gray in growth, meaning like I'm not a jiu-jitsu athlete. Jordan does jiu-jitsu. Right. Right? right. So that's that is part of my identity, but it is not the culmination. I'm not just a father. I'm not just a husband. I'm not just a believer. Right. I'm not just a, a businessman. I'm not just any of these things. I am like every, you know, and we all as people, we have to be like a, an amazing, well-made dish that has lots of ingredients. And if you start to pull out these different ingredients, then what happens is the dish isn't the same. And so you got to be careful that you don't add ingredients that make the dish taste poorly. Okay. Right? And so the example the other day, I, I don't remember if this is exactly what she said. I think it was bro. It could have been slave. But she said, well, you know, I'm always late or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, it was Brody. That's right. And I don't know if it was late. It was like something that was going to be a handicap for her later in life. No, I think she did say late. Yeah, Yeah. it might have been that. Um, It was something to that extent. It could have been that. Yeah, and I said, hey, be careful. So you call yourself, so you will be, right? Be careful the words that you say about yourself because in the same way God created the entire world, he did that through word. The word that we use is the word that we become. Mm -hmm. And so constantly... We're always, as a family, trying to make sure our identity is diversified 
for not just the sake of fulfillment, but for the sake of impact as well. Yeah. Right? Like, I want to be the best husband. You want to be the best wife. I want to be the best father. You want to be the best mother. And so how is it you do those things? Well, you have to be diversified enough in what you're doing and make sure that every piece that you're giving to in that moment, you're giving your most excellence. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. For sure. You seem to be exceptional through time regardless of stuff you do. So how are you approaching that? I, you know, I think for me, I like compart- compartmentalize everything. Yep. So I think for me, it's like I don't have that strategic brain that you have where you can say, you know, this is my, this is why I'm doing this. For mm. me, I just do it, I think, it's because I want to do the best I can in everything. Yeah. Um, but I guess I could say sometimes I get a little beat down if I suck at something that I thought I was going to be good at or I've been good at. Right. And then I suck at it and then it takes me a while to go, no, that's okay. Like, keep going. You're not a failure in that way. That's right. So I think that I'm the same way, just a different thought process. Yeah, and that's what's really neat is it doesn't matter whether you think like me or think like you. If you say this task that I'm doing, I want to give to my most. Now, here's the danger. It's when we start to look at the output of what we're doing as being the most impactful part. Right. Right. So like if you say, okay, I want to, um, I want to go to this again, we'll just use jujitsu. It's easy. Or let's say you want, you're doing a bodybuilding show, right? So Jess competes in figure. So let's say crazy, right? JB figure where we get the name, <laughs> right? So let's say you go, okay, I'm going to this figure competition. And your thought process is, I want to get first place. Yeah, I never have that thought process. That's right, you don't. I think my problem is sometimes when I go, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and I might see success, success are like little steps, Mm -hmm. and then I'll have a plateau. And then when there's a plateau, sometimes I go, eh, let's just try something else. Right. Whereas like you want to stick with it, Mm -hmm. and you've taught me that to just stick with it, like with jujitsu. But it's like my brain goes, oh, well, we're, we're seeing success. We're working hard. Like, my work is making a difference. That's, I think, my problem is I'll work, work, work Sometimes so hard. Sometimes you, you might not see the impact of your exactly. work. Exactly. I don't right. see it. And then I go, well, let me move on to something else where I can see the work I put in and the success in it. Right. Not necessarily like a win, just like at least some type of success. Yep. And so that's what I would say is the best way to adopt that, or not adopt, but adapt that mindset is where you make your identity about the inputs. Yeah. Right? Yep. So like am I a good husband? I'm not sure. Am I pursuing to be the best husband I can be? Absolutely. And so if my mindset is I want to be on the inputs, I want to try to do everything that I can to be the best husband, well then whether I am or not isn't up to me. Yeah. Right? If I want to so anything that I'm doing I want to try to go, okay, I want to do the best I can at this. And I have to make sure that anything that I'm doing doesn't completely sabotage all the other parts of my identity. Got it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's like, again, let's say I'm getting ready for a jiu-jitsu competition. I go, I want to do good at this jiu-jitsu competition. That's the wrong answer. That's the wrong goal for me. I say I want to do the best that I can do with the time that I have. Because if I say this jiu-jitsu competition is the only thing that's important, well, then I might not be a good father. 
Right. And that's a that's a, a slower unpacking to a much bigger impact. Right. Like if I'm not being the best father, yeah, go ahead. It's almost like you're compar- if you if you take something and you put all your marbles in one bag, well, you're gonna let all the other things fall at the same time. And Absolutely. then what if you lose that competition? And you put all your marbles in that bag. Well, then you feel like everything's a wash. That's right. That's right. And a better question is, why compete, right? So there's two great reasons to compete. I'm sorry. There's two main reasons to compete from my perspective. And only one of them is worth doing, right? Yeah. And so are you competing to compete or are you competing to compare, right? And if you're doing comparison competition, meaning... If I go here and I win, I'm great. And if I lose, I suck. Then you fucked everything up. Yeah. Or in life in general. If you're comparing yourself to another parent or to another couple or to other kids, then, you know, what is that for? And that's exactly... Imagine today, right? Like if you take even some of the most impoverished areas in America, they still generally have a TV they generally have a roof over their head and we're not talking necessarily street people so like categorize this where it makes sense if they if they have something to eat right whether that yeah. be through government assistance or whatever if they have food a roof over their head and a TV then they have way more wealth than anybody did 200 years ago yeah very true but it doesn't feel that way because we as humans live to compare and when we only compare, then what we generally do is we make our identity weaker. Yeah. We go, oh, I'm not this. Because, dude, excuse my language, but fuck that. You have to look at it like this. You have to go, my identity is about the effort that I put into something when I'm doing that thing. Not the outcome of what I do in everything. If I study really hard for a test... And I failed the test. I'm not a failure. If I don't study hard for the test and right. I fail the test, then I'm an idiot. Right. Well, I mean, you see that if you, it's like, you know, you see all these successful people and you don't see all the failures that they've had along the way. And so a lot of times nobody talks about that. So you see somebody you might look up to and go, oh man, I wish I was them. But you're not seeing all the failures they've had along the way. And that means how many times they go, nope, doesn't matter. Keep going, keep going, keep going. That's it. Failure is one of the greatest gifts that we can have because failure has a heightened emotional status to it. And it helps us to remember what we can do moving forward. Right. Right. So like in the same way, if like a gunshot went off outside, both of our heart rates would increase. But sitting here listening to this podcast or doing this podcast, any part of this, that anybody that's 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 joining in, if you sit here and you go heartbeat faster, it's not going to. Yeah. Your heart's going to respond to the world around it. Right. And if you're not careful, then your identity is going to respond to the world around it all the time. So when you fail something, right, you want your identity to respond appropriately, not just without control. Yeah. When you fail something, you go like, oh, all right, word. My identity is not the success or failures of my impact. My identity is what do I do and what impact can I make moving forward? Okay. I did that competition. I got arm barred. I need to be better at arm bars. Okay. I'm going to go back and my identity is growth. My identity is not this outcome. Right. 
That makes total sense. For sure. And, you know, I think one of my favorite things in the Bible period is when it says to humble yourself, right? We often hear that and we're not sure what that means, right? So like people often interpret that and they take that as like being less than you are. Like just down your personality, push down your your greatness to be and all that. I don't think that's what it means at all. What do you think it means? I think it means to choose challenges that are humbling. Oh, okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. So for me, I try to humble myself every day. Every day I try to do something that when I do it may have failure, may have success, but either way it's not going to have comfort. Uh-huh. And that process is constantly humbling. Got you. Like if I go, oh, I'm going to go jump in this cold water. Yeah. Right? In this cold river. Well, in my mind, I might think like, I'm, I'm a fucking beast. I'm going to get in this. I'm not going to be cold. And every time I get in and yeah. I'm humbled. Yeah. Right? Okay. So like something you could do on a daily basis would be like take a cold shower. That would be Like something. get in the shower, take a cold shower. For me, it's eat liver because I freaking hate liver. But I challenge myself <laughs> to eat that stupid piece of liver every day. You know, whether it's like, okay, I'm going to challenge myself to go on a 30 minute walk every day, even though like I'm tired, I might come home from work or I have to wake up early, but I'm going to challenge myself to do that every day. And that's exactly for me to humble yourself means to choose things that you don't have a guaranteed outcome for. And the reason you do that is because it's like when you're kids and you do a fire drill or a tornado drill in school, Uh right? Like out of all those drills, I never had to actually run from a tornado or no, right. run, or secure from a tornado or, you know, flee from a fire. But the reason you do it is the more that you're challenging yourself, yeah, the more that when the big event comes, you've already prepared yourself for appropriate reactions. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. So again, like if maybe I, the challenge is to talk to somebody that you work with that you don't really like. Bingo. Maybe it's to be positive, even though, you know, it probably won't turn out well. But you still do it. You still challenge yourself. Absolutely. Because we want our environments to be a product of us, not us to be a product of our environment. That's so, like, one. if you put me in the room with 10 negative people, that's okay with me because I'm going to just walk around and be a light to these people. I'm going to freaking make a difference. Hey, man, what's going on? How's your day going? No, nah, you know, and they're, they're, they're crappy about it or they're poor impact. I don't care. That's okay with me because my identity is not about if I'm in a great mood around these people. It's about what can I do to be a positive impact in these right. people's lives. So, like you're saying, instead of taking it personal, take it as a challenge. I do take it as a challenge. And whether they want to um, open up and be an edifying person, the outcome of me trying to love these people, again, I don't look at life in outcomes. I look at it in inputs. If I'm doing what I feel like I'm asked to do, then I don't worry about the outcome. Got you. That's right. And so then some people say, well, then, you know, well, how are you going to lead to success? You you remember we were talking about the Choose Your Destiny book? Uh If I go to page 52 and it says I went the wrong way, that's an outcome. Going to the page is the input. If I get there and it says I went the wrong way, I'm just going to go back and make a different decision. Well, I think, again, like we talked about, even with training, like success isn't linear. That's right. It's not this uphill steady climb that everybody thinks it is. That's right. You're going to go through dips. You're going to go through plateaus. You're going to go through all that. 
but it's like you said what is your input if your input is consistent and you constantly are able to 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 do that then the output is is whatever there's going to be some type of output positive or negative that's right it depends on what you do that's right and you're hit the nail on the head when i go to the gym to work out in that hour i'm there that's the most important thing right when i leave there it is not important to me at all anymore yeah whatever i'm doing next is the most important thing you know if that's spending time with slate that next hour the most important thing is spending time with slate yeah if i have to take a conference call the most important thing is that conference call in that moment and so whatever I'm doing in these different areas, I remember that the outcome of my training, the outcome of, like that means so little compared to the relationships of life that if there were anything to pay attention to that would make a big impact, it would be loving those around you and loving those who either don't love themselves or loving those who are having a hard time loving others. Yeah. And I think what you see is if you, okay, you take the gym, you spend that one hour in the gym giving it your all, and then you let that go. Because cortisol, mm. stress can do a lot of things on your body. So if you have think you have a crappy day at the gym, and you leave, and that's all you think about, well, then you probably will see crappy results. You're going to let your cortisol spike. You probably won't For recover sure. as better. You won't give enough time to other areas. So I think what I need to work on is, like, you need to do what you can in that time frame, whatever that is, let it go, move on to the next. That's right. Have no shame where you put max input. Yeah. If you go to the gym and you like you freaking you broke a leg yeah. and you're you're hobbling in on crutches and now you're gonna work out. If you're giving it whatever you have, then there's no shame. Right. Period. Yeah. If you're not giving it what you and there's varying levels of energy, right? So like let's say I'm really sore from a workout and I'm going in and I'm trying to work similar stuff. I'm I'm not going to be at the same level. It's not about the output. It's not about was I able to put the same amount of weight on the bar. Right. It's not about was I able to do the same reps. It's about am I giving this my most in this moment. Yeah. Right? And so I would take that and that humble yourself piece, and I would look for daily to look for challenges that make you a little nervous. Daily look for things that are going to be fire drills for bigger stressors in your life. Ah, I like it. And that approach is how I've been able to constantly not be afraid of the future or what's to come or anything because what am I afraid of a future challenge for when I choose challenges today? Right. What am I afraid if I get first, second, third in a comp? I don't care about that. All I care about is, is Jordan challenging himself at the most level? And if I can, then I'm already at my best and my identity is to do my best. Okay, so you're saying how to feel, how to live your most fulfilled life is to take on challenges every day. Absolutely. Take on challenges every day. Make sure that your input, you're given 100%, whatever that 100% is, input into whatever activity, whatever you know role you're in, whatever that is, give 100% input. That's right. And, and then let it go after that. that. Give yourself grace for the outcomes. And number one thing is focus on love and relationships to people around you. Okay. You know, and focus on loving those, especially in this day and age, guys. Focus on loving those who either don't love themselves or love those who are having a hard time loving others. Right. That's it. Because if you can be a positive impact on them, you're going to change their life. And I promise you, it'll change your life as well. Yeah. It's really crazy when you 
when you help others, you help yourself. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. You don't. <laughs> it's really you don't, crazy. Yeah, that's right. You're not seeking to help yourself. Yeah, but it happens. It's it's the greatest gift. Yeah. It's the greatest gift to them, the greatest gift to you. I'm so thankful for the people that were loving and honest with me through time. And I'm so I'm so thankful for you first and foremost for oh, how you. patient you were. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I always love people. I just didn't know how to tell them that without punching them in the head. With yeah, it. that's true. You know what I mean? Well, that was heavy, but that was good, huh? That was wild, right? So what's up next? Where are we going next? We are going to... Where are we going? Out we're, Colorado? We're going to Colorado next. We're in uh, New Mexico now. We're going to go see some caverns and stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about that when, once we uh, experience all of it. But I want to end with some fun stuff. Okay, let's do Okay, it. you don't know what these are. I do not. But these are like fun couple questions. Okay. This is Jesse's favorite stuff is to surprise me. I just... Well, <laughs> I love honestly, it. I love knowing stuff like this. Okay. <laughs> Who was your superhero or idol growing up? Okay, my idol was my father for sure. He was, uh, he didn't have parents. Well, he had a mother. He didn't have a father, but he was my stepdad. He adopted me. He chose to raise me. Yeah. Uh, and never treated me like anything other than his, his blood. So I know, he's my, the best. He's incredible. All right, okay. If money was no object, what destination would you want to travel to? Hmm, if money was no object. Uh, those islands over in the Pacific that I see where they got like those little huts on the water. That's like Bali. Yeah, that looks incredible. I know. I know. That is that would be incredible. What about you? Um, I think the same thing. I've always wanted to go to Egypt though. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I you know, Egypt sounds awesome. It does. Too, so like much if I had to like there. pick or like an African safari would be really cool too. That would I don't be know. cool. All right, let's see. <laughs> what one food would you banish from this earth if you could? Oh, root beer. Really? I hate root That's beer. That's the first thing and that comes you know to your what? mind. Hey, guys, if you like root beer, Weird. stop listening to our podcast. I like root beer. <laughs> you know those little candies, the little root beer barrels? Yeah. Oh, I love those. You have to have something that you dislike in your spouse, and that is it. <laughs> Easily for me. You're going to make me cough. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Root beer, really? That's what the, comes to your mind? Yeah, it's disgusting. Not a vegetable, not friggin' nothing like Have that. Have you root had beer. root beer, bro? I love root beer. God, I love you and hate that about you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a couple more. Let's see. Do, do, do. Um, what makes you feel the most loved? You do. What makes me feel the most loved? Yeah. I think just proximity. Uh, yeah, you like you're like quality time. You know what, man? Like, I think honest words mean the most to me. Not even necessarily affirmations, but just people being honest with me, people being true about their intentions and saying how they feel, like, because I try to be as transparent as possible. So, like, when yeah. that's reciprocated, I would say that's probably the most. Okay. What do I do that irritates you the most? Well, I mean, we just covered root beer in a big <laughs> level. It's, it's actually, you don't do anything that irritates me. What irritates me is the things that I do that irritate I knew, you. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Guys, I have, giant, I, I I have giant teeth, period, right? Like, if you kick me in one of these teeth, it's not going to be a problem. I'm going to walk right through it. You know how, like, if you eat, let's just take watermelon, for instance. <laughs> like, you shouldn't hear somebody chew watermelon. It literally dissolves in your mouth. When Jordan eats watermelon, it's like he's chewing on bricks. I'm I'm like a I'm like that I'm dude like, from Neverending Story that's like chewing the rocks. I'm like, bro, you don't have to <laughs> chomp watermelon that hard. I will be sitting in the room, like we'll be going to sleep or something. I'll be like trying to silently eat this, like I'm like I'm sneaking into Osama bin Laden's house to take <laughs> him out. 
every time the booby traps go off. No, I mean, it's not just you. I don't like hearing people chew. <laughs> I don't like when people bite their forks. Like, when you take a bite, you yeah. shouldn't bite the fork or the, the spoon. Have you seen the size of these teeth? I you can barely clear the passage. I don't I just can't take it. All right, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, let's do a couple more. Um, Let's see. I had one that I lost it. Oh, yeah. What's the biggest trouble you've ever been in? Can you think of one? Man, we get we had a lot of get brought home by the cops as a kid. Well, by that time you set the woods on fire. We did do that. <laughs> we we had a fire that got out of hand for sure. We had we had cops obviously that came. We had a fire department came. We 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 accidentally almost set this forest on fire. That was a good one. You know, Man, it's like we said back in the day. You could do so much. Oh, uh, we had a lot of and the cops would you know moments. like a cop would find you or take you home. And nowadays it's like kids can't. Kids can't do little it's mischievous harder, things like that. It's harder to be a knucklehead for today, for sure. I know, I know. Okay, last one. What's the most ridiculous nickname you've ever been given? You know what? I'm like almost, <laughs> that's my thing. I'm almost oblivious to nicknames. <laughs> I give you nicknames. Are. <laughs> I give nicknames. Almost no nickname I was has say, ever stuck on me. The question needs to be, what's the most ridiculous nickname you've ever given to somebody? Because nickname, you you don't. Like, nobody gives you a nickname. You know what? I can't even remember most of the nicknames I give, but for whatever reason, maybe it's like the way that my brain um, associates, like, proximity to people like when i give somebody a nickname it i really sticks. i care about them yeah. and, and it sticks and it, it helps sticks. me it helps me like build uh mental my own rapport with people and stuff yeah. so like if i call you by a nickname i really care about you right <laughs> so i'm like constantly giving nicknames in relationships and i don't know why but when i give a nickname they stick it's so funny i feel like i'm the one that gets the nickname you get a lot of nicknames you and bro i know Slay, you guys all got a lot of nicknames i know yeah that's it it's what are they we'll save it for another yeah episode. i don't really they're kind of embarrassing <laughs> thanks Daniel. <laughs> all, all right, right let's finish done? up yeah we need to get up we need to go all right here we go jb square we're out out